0: We talked about you touching a turtle, though.
1: I did touch a turtle.
0: Should we talk about you touching a turtle? We can, if you
1: want. I mean... Hello and welcome to
0: Overdue. <laughs> this is a podcast about turtle touching. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew, it's actually turtle toucher. <laughs> it's actually about the books that you've been meaning to read. But in the meantime, I would like to ask Andrew about turtle touching. Andrew, how do turtles feel?
1: Uh, They feel like turtles... Um like if you've ever touched a turtle, it's kind of like that
0: i've mm, <laughs> how big was this turtle you touched
1: It was pretty- it was like medium sized It wasn't one of those big ones <laughs> at like a zoo that you could ride on, but it wasn't a little one that you'd find like crossing the road either it was it was mid sized turtle
0: a good, and He was, a, like a two, uh, was it a two door tur- turtle or a four door turtle no,
1: it was more like a like uh like a motorcycle kind of turtle
0: wait. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, that's medium size, and then you have, like, the little Hot Wheels turtles, and then you have the big old Tonka truck turtles.
0: Okay. Okay. Why did you touch the turtle?
1: You're asking me weird questions. Like, why wouldn't I touch a turtle?
0: Where were you?
1: I was in the ocean, and I was swimming, and then there was this turtle chilling on the bottom of the ocean, and then he came up to get some air, and I touched him. And he was like... (laughs) He was like, ugh, tourists. And then he swam away. He he was really, he was pretty, pretty cool about it. He seemed cool with it. Okay. Like, given the opportunity to touch a turtle, what are you going to do? Like, choose your own adventure. You touch a turtle or you don't touch a
0: turtle? I'm probably going to touch that turtle.
1: Yeah, you just you tap him on a shell. It feels like a, I don't know, like a... Hard, smooth surface. It doesn't feel like a thing that's alive, even though it is, because it's a turtle.
0: Yeah, because when I see tortoises in the zoo, those guys seem like if I touch them, it would be like touching like a rock, like be yeah, very they don't hard. Do much.
1: But this guy was swimming, and he was way better at swimming than me, even though I had flippers and a floaty noodle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was he lording his his? swimming ability over he you just,
1: he could not even care less about us he really was like the guy who walks down the street and just doesn't have time for you like if you run into him that's on you for like ruining his day and getting in his way
0: well when you say it like that you say it like he's a business executive like, yeah I mean, he
1: has places to be he's a turtle he's got the whole ocean
0: wait that doesn't jive wait he's got play where does he have to be he
1: could. He has a lot of places where he could be. Just anywhere.
0: How is he not just like super chill?
1: He was pretty chill, but he he swam with purpose. Is all I'm saying. You weren't there. You don't know.
0: You're right. I don't know. Put me on blast about my turtle touching. I just wanted to hear more about it. I felt like you didn't tell me enough about it last time. It
1: was time. my first time snorkeling.
0: How how terrifying was that?
1: It was, not, it was not actually that bad. Now, later, I went snuba diving, that's which the, is... W-
0: let alone that's the worst word, but okay. Which is
1: halfway between scuba diving and snorkeling. Uh-huh. And I only, I only did okay at that. Like, I did it for a little while, and then, like, I started to feel like I couldn't breathe, and so then it just turned into snorkeling. For what
0: about <laughs> it? I know we have a book to talk about today, but I do want to talk about this with you. What about being underwater like that freaks you out? Cause
1: I could die, and the water doesn't care about me.
0: <laughs> okay, is there a specific like perceptual sensation that you have?
1: It's just there's pressure under there, and there's okay. water everywhere. And usually, I'm I'm used to being surrounded by air, which I can breathe and like move through. Okay, and water is like it's not that.
0: <laughs> like, That's correct. You <laughs> you've hit the nail on the head there. Mm. I find it disconcerting when i can't see very far in water i don't like not knowing what fish are going to come and try to eat me like does that make sense
1: i get i mean you're more worried about fish eating you than you are about drowning That's, in the in the uncaring ocean well
0: i guess my the worst version of the uncaring ocean to me is the uncaring ocean that i can't visually place myself in like okay i don't like that it's just it just keeps going who knows yeah, what? i
1: was i was in like the we were we were at the virgin islands which is the it's like the desktop wallpaper version of the ocean like you can see pretty far in it actually because it's pretty clean okay i guess because of coral i don't know i asked Suzanne and she didn't know either, <laughs> but she told me something about coral um and it's it's too bad because I took a bunch of pictures and they all I took a bunch of pictures and they all look like they came with my phone. So
0: Oh, no. <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah. So that's too
0: bad. But
1: All right. It's like what what happens when your family looks like the family that came in the picture frame? Like, mm. what does that do to your sense of self?
0: Like, is this as nice as I think it is?
1: Like, I what, am I so interchangeable that. I just look like I came with this frame. I thought this like am vaca- one barcode away from looking like I came with this frame.
0: <laughs> I thought this vacation was supposed to be one of a kind. Why is it everyone's vacation?
1: I don't know. I don't get it.
0: That's weird. But
1: yeah, I touched a turtle, swam in the ocean, ate a bunch of fish. Um, got a really bad. Well, no, no, not really bad. Got like a medium sunburn. Okay. Not like that one that I got when I was hanging out with you.
0: Well, that was when you'd and never been to the put beach in before any sunscreen. <laughs> I forgive you that because you've never been, to the, been to the ocean, though.
1: I had not been to the ocean. Okay. I've been landlocked my whole life. We've been talking about this for a while. What, what's what's books? What's books? What books?
0: Well, okay, on this show, we read books that we should have read by now, is okay. the idea, right? Uh-huh. Um, and one of us reads them, and the other person asks questions and, and listens about it, and, and that's pretty much how it goes.
1: Yeah, thank you. in the two weeks since we've done one, I've forgotten what the
0: show is about, so I appreciate the recap. Happy to tell you about it.
1: Thanks. All right, so what book did you read that you had been meaning to read?
0: Well, I read a book called Summerland by Michael Shape Shabun?
1: It's either Shabun, Chabun. Chabon or Chabon, which is my I don't think preferred. it's
0: Michael Chabon. <laughs> I think that's the one. Uh, Nailed it. According to Wikipedia, it's Shea as in Shea Stadium and Bon as in Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I So maybe Chabon, but I Chabon works for me. Shapon, Shabon. Shabon. He's
1: not Bon Jovi. <laughs> that's not. That's bon not Jovi.
0: Michael Habone, Bon Jovi. All right. Um, yeah. So I read Summerland by Michael Shabon.
1: Okay. Um, What's it about?
0: It is a, it is a, which I did not know when I started the book. It is a young adult, like fantasy-ish novel. Uh, about a bunch of kids trying to save the world with baseball. Okay. And I don't just mean the world, I mean all existence.
1: Okay, so like the universe or like multiple
0: worlds? You hit it, multiple worlds. Okay, awesome.
1: Um, Is Michael Chabon, um, is he partial to this kind of stuff? Like tell me more about the kind of work that he
0: does. So he won a Pulitzer Prize in two thousand. The year two thousand for the amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which is okay. a book about two brothers, I believe brothers or best friends, um, who publish a series of comics in the uh, in World War Two era. They're two mm-hmm. Jewish uh, relatives in the nineteen forties, and that um, I think that one kind of is a good locus point for his work on the whole and I will confess to not having read it and thought that that was on my shelf when I went to go read Summerland okay Uh,
1: so so Summerland is the like if you can't find what's that dumb song about loving the one you're with except for books
0: the love the one you're with yeah
1: read the book you got
0: read you have read the book you got for Christmas by an author you like yeah that's (laughs) <laughs> that's what happened here okay um but that that book i think dives into it obviously got a, a lot of recognition because it dealt with some more mature themes and settings but i think Shabin as a whole has an interest in kind of modern folklore and modern uh genre fiction in a mm-hmm. in a way that Um, Not a lot of, quote, literary writers or at least the literary community often deals with and validates. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got into reading Shabin from first his book, The Yiddish Policeman's Union, which is a couple of years old, that kind of reimagines uh, post-World War II America. If instead of the state of Israel had been established, they created a like separate territory in Alaska. Um, And it's
1: I think that would have been less contentious or like, you know, what if they given them like part of Wisconsin or something? You just have to find people who are (laughs) people who are maybe a little more laid back or like. Or even if they are mad, like, they're not going to do anything about it.
0: Yeah, they're just going to kind of be mad about it and then go home and watch football. part of Canada. Yeah.
1: There's got to be a bunch of it up there that nobody's using, right? Like, (laughs) I've never been to Canada, but it's pretty much, like, Quebec and Toronto, and that's it, right? (laughs) I,
0: I think there's Vancouver, which is, like, L.A. North. Like okay. from what I understand. And thanks,
1: Toronto is New York North.
0: Yes, and Quebec is French West. France West. <laughs> French Utah. French Utah. Um so Shaven We're
1: probably offending. I don't, everyone, I don't know so. what's going
0: on. Um that book, Yiddish Policeman Union, which I've really enjoyed, um, is like a hard boiled detective novel that is also wrapped in this like alternate history. It's not science fiction in any way, but it is this kind of reimagining of what our culture is Mm -hmm. um, and what could be. And then there's another nonfiction book of his that I really enjoyed called Manhood for Amateurs, which uh, is, I think, it's about a whole bunch of things. It's about his relationship to kind of genre fiction. It's about his own confessions of like, just kind of being a dad and what it is to like have grown up with baby boomers as parents. And then like what it is to be a parent now. Um, and a couple of just episodes on uh, episodes, chapters on contemporary authors and, and being a contemporary author. There's one or two chapters on, uh, David Foster Wallace and, and Jonathan Franzen and folks like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was, I was reading some about, um, Chabon, 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 Chabon. We're going to go with Chabin, I guess. Chabon. Um, two two things I thought were, well, three things I guess I thought were interesting. One is that he was born in 1963, so he's like a year older than my parents, actually.
0: Uh, a couple years younger than mine, but yeah. sure. And um,
1: his first novel was born, was born, was <laughs> published in.
0: We have not done a was, podcast at all.
1: <laughs> his first novel was born in
0: 1988. Uh-huh.
1: Which means he was 25 when he did it, which was no, no, no. Like, no. It's one of those 88.
0: Yeah, 88. He the was 37. Born in
1: 1963. Oh, excuse published me. Published in 1988.
0: Sorry, you're right.
1: Man, you have not done math in a while. No, I, mean.
0: I was looking at a, I was looking at his age online. That's 51. I was doing okay. math based off of that. That was terrible. Go yeah, ahead. Good, nice, nice work. Go yeah, ahead with good. your accurate depiction of this man's you, life, please. You
1: did it right where everybody could hear you being wrong? Uh-huh. So that's congratulations. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um so yeah, he was twenty-five when he did that, and it's one of those like, you know, what what if what you're twenty nine, Andrew? What have you done? Oh,
0: God, yeah, I hate that.
1: You've done like eighty-four episodes of a podcast. Good job. <laughs> good job, idiot. <laughs> um thing number two. Well, Did you well, read this... the
0: story about his first book though, about how it got no, published?:
1: No, he had a I, mean, I assume he like wrote it and then gave it to a publisher and then it was published.: No,
0: right? well, sort of he okay. <laughs> it's called "The Mysteries of Pittsburgh." Um, and his teacher, his professor, uh, the book was well, the book was Shaven's master's thesis, and the professor, without telling him, gave a copy of it to an agent mm-hmm. who then signed the book with, like, a giant advance for the time, um, and it became a bestseller. So it was one of those things where, like, he went from being a student to a contemporary literary celebrity in no time, which I... That's what,
1: like, that's what everybody dreams of doing, right, As you, like, pretty much everybody in any creative field ever is you just, like, hope that you do something good in front of the right person, and then you automatically get fame and recognition that's that. all
0: it is dude <laughs> i don't think there's a way to control it you're just playing the lottery over
1: and over and over again and you'll either win the lottery or you will die and be thrown in a ditch because you don't <laughs> your family doesn't have money to bury
0: not you. to get too like off topic we're not on no, any pretty, sort of I'm topic much got it, I think. today <laughs> isn't that like any field though it's just with with the creative pursuits the the potential highs are so high that the stakes feel greater. Like if I
1: think that there's more space in the middle in other fields. Like in in the arts, I think a lot of the time, at least the the image is and I know there are plenty of working artists who pull down like a working wage and do fine. But yeah. The the popular image is like you're either the starving artist or the like celebrity author. You're yes. either like J. K. Rowling or someone who is less popular than jk rowling
0: (laughs) (laughs) or you are kj rowling who works at the acme who also writes books about wizards but nobody reads them Mm -hmm. yeah
1: perry (laughs) hotter
0: very very hotter okay other (laughs) things that you noticed about michael shaven
1: oh what was i was on thing number two right number two is the genre fiction stuff okay that you were talking about is um he wrote an essay in 2002, apparently, where he was kind of criticizing uh, modern short fiction mm-hmm. and the fact that a lot of it was. Um, uh, he says it consisted solely of the contemporary quotidian, plotless moment of truth, revelatory story.
0: <laughs> it's so. Oh, that's so. Which, like, condemning. having
1: done an intro fiction class, like, <laughs> that's what everybody's trying to do—is just like stories about twenty. 20- Four-year-old loners drifting around like the the Dave Eggers stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, man, you hated that Dave Eggers book that you read. Just
1: that one. Like I've I've heard that his books can either be like really good or really not that good. Um. So yeah, he's he's. I guess he's interested in um genre fiction, like like taking the stuff like I don't know, like the Anne Rice level. Or, um, like, Stephen King-level stuff, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or even, like, the fantasy fiction, like your Wheels of Time and Games of Thrones.
0: Yes. Keep finding all those plurals, please.
1: (laughs) And um, Lords of the Rings. (laughs) And elevating them to, like, capital L literature instead of just, like, popular literature.
0: Which, if you look at it, you look like you go back maybe three generations, and they are, in a way like explain, if, explain yourself if you said i'm going to read the lord of the rings books yes if if all if the only books you ever read were lord of the rings books would people be like mm, nerd but <laughs> i think people at this point you know people have kind of come around to the idea that there's literary merit to those books
1: well cuz there are movies
0: <sighs> yeah <And> so <laughs> but i think same goes for they might skew a little younger but people definitely are supportive of someone reading like the Chronicles of Narnia or some, sure. you know, C.S. Lewis. He's a widely respected author who happened to write these fantastical novels that appeal to a younger audience. But though they...
1: at this point, like in retrospect, the allegorical stuff kind of turns me off of it a little bit. That's that's fair. We don't have to get into that on this on this show. It's a little far afield. But um,
0: but I think I think Shaban's arguing that that whether or not it appeals to your taste from a uh worth your reading time argument uh or like perspective it's not it is no worse than another story about a person in a city and their breakup and what it means about their life
1: (laughs) and then they have a gun and then (laughs) oh no (laughs) they got a gun they're spiraling into alcoholism oh no
0: well, and it's funny because what was who did? Oh I wait, read? he
1: found a girl who who's the balm to soothe his the wounds on his soul. Who I read was, a book kind of like this over vacation. We're gonna get into oh, it in a couple God. weeks.
0: Who was that author that I read like a month or two ago? Who's t- like two short stories I read? Do you remember who that was? Oh. what her name was? Well, she,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna look. You vamp while I look.
0: She was part of the. Algonquin Round Table.
1: Oh yeah, that was a while. ago. That was a
0: while ago. That was. I'm looking. I can't find it. I'm you got to help me out, dog. Just keep keep. I'm talking. still talking about this store These stories. I don't remember. I'm sure the listeners but, um, are help. Dorothy Parker. Yeah, there you go. There it is. Dorothy Parker. How
1: long ago is that? What episode?
0: It was in the '60s. Okay, I skipped it. Feels something. like two years ago. Um, Scroll past it. That there were elements of that that felt like, and this is about like a person's life and and whatever, but maybe just the distance of time made that feel less mundane, you know? Because it's like early 20th century.
1: Well, we've we've talked about it before, but if you go back and you read things that started cliches. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Even though mm. even though they began cliches, they often have a way of feeling fresher than than the um, derivative stuff
0: that followed. after. Yeah, you're right. So, That's probably valid in this instance. Yeah. So.
1: So, yeah, shaven thinks thinks that genre fiction is good. And so um, his I guess like the back half of his career at this point has been devoted more to plot driven stories and to. Genre fiction stories and just kind of dabbling around in a lot of different genres, which I think is where Summerland comes in. Yes. and then the last thing that I thought was interesting that really has no bearing on his career is that he has been married twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and his first wife, uh, Lolly Groth, I think is how you pronounce her name, like they were both writers. And uh, Chabin was succeeding, and she was not, and like that introduced a lot of tension into the relationship. And I think that's that's an interesting thing that I also think a lot of like artist couples or like couples who work in the same field. Yeah, like, I like, I potentially don't, run into.
0: I I have been very lucky not to excuse me have to worry about that. Um, though I know plenty of people who do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've. I've seen it actually work beautifully with people who who support each other very well um and, and I've seen it work disastrously and I I don't know if there's a magic formula there probably isn't a magic formula but
1: No and I I I don't want to I'm not I mean of course all generalizations are are false but <laughs> um I think a lot of the time that kind of thing just surfaces things that were problems anyway or that would have become problems anyway and it just like it it puts people in bad positions and then they they i don't know become more themselves or like react in a way that that lays bare their souls i don't I, like i don't think that there are a ton of relationships that work perfectly and then one person succeeds a lot and the other person like they can't just they just can't make it work out yeah you you, you know have
0: what? to kind of find what the other person is succeeding in and mm-hmm. and be happy for and support that yeah yeah
1: Anyway, uh genre fiction Summerland, I think are we ready to go? Do you have anything else about Michael Cabone that you wanna <laughs> jump into? Uh
0: no, except I will give one caveat is that I will do a terrible job in this podcast of elucidating what I like about shaven's prose. I don't okay. I don't have a good example picked out from this book. This book tends to be a uh a bit lighter in terms of language than Shabin is in general. Okay. Um but I have found but you're not
1: prepared to talk about
0: it. <laughs> no, I, I I am prepared to talk about this book in particular, but I just know that my experience with his other two books is that I've found his language very satisfying. Okay. Um and I just don't know that there are the same examples in this English? book. English. Um what? Yes, he uses English, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Just because
1: I find it to be very sad. Just because you
0: just you can't decide how to pronounce his name doesn't mean he hasn't picked one language in which to write. <laughs> okay.
1: However, I choose to pronounce his name. Sh- it, sure. It's like Schrodinger's name, or what? I don't even. Yep. A quantum that's, name.
0: <laughs> He's got some sort of quantum name. Or as soon as you observe it, it's something else. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you <laughs>
1: say it, it it becomes different. <laughs>
0: okay let's go into Summerland okay
1: Summerland take me there
0: so Summerland uh as I said I did not know it was a young adult book while I when I started it I just knew that it was a big fat book by Michael Shaman (laughs) um and it turns out it's about a 10 year old kid named Ethan Feld uh, who lives with his father in uh a perhaps clip fictional place called clam island washington washington state okay and uh the neat thing about clam island is that it barely ever rains there it's kind of ref- one of the parts of the island referred to as uh the summer land because it's almost always clear skies and, and wonderful weather and they love little league baseball on clam island i know it's one of your favorite things Andrew, Is baseball
1: yeah, I know. I love baseball.
0: Um, well, you might sympathize with Ethan Feld because Ethan is bad at baseball and does not like being bad at baseball. <laughs> at,
1: I, I guess I can sympathize. I mean, that being bad at something is not the same as not liking it.
0: No, but he do, he doesn't like it because he doesn't like not liking it but he he finds it hard to get excited about because of his his skill sure. at
1: it. I mean if the if the story was about a boy who started playing baseball and then quit because he wasn't immediately good at it, then that would be something that I would really <laughs> identify with.
0: <laughs> so, that's sort of what's happening at the beginning of the book, but nonetheless,
1: most of the results I'm getting back from Clam Islands like a Google of Clam Island Washington um refers to Summerland, but there is a place called Clam Island Rowing that's in Silverdale, Washington. Okay. That I don't know, like if that's a thing, but it's not. You know that it's in Washington and it's called that, so maybe there's a connection. Great, maybe who knows? <laughs> We're nothing if not meticulous researchers.
0: We, that show. is exactly what we are. Um, so, what is happening in Clam Island right now at the start of the book is. You know, the, uh, what is it? The Roots, Fluff and Fold Roosters, uh, which is Ethan's team. Excuse me? Um, okay. I don't know how much Little League you played, Andrew. It sounds like you didn't play very much, but that's one of the, like, local corporate sponsorships of Little League baseball is one of my favorite aspects. <laughs> okay. Where it's, like, sponsored by...
1: Mike's Pizza. Mike's
0: Pizza or <laughs> Jerry's Tire Shack or whatever, you know. <laughs> Um and so Bob's discount milkshakes. There you go. That would be a good one. There's a yeah. there's a little league uh in Philly where they don't have sponsors like that, but they're all the team names are like mythical creatures. <laughs> there's like the Minotaurs and the Wizards and the Centaurs. It's pretty sweet. Nice. Um which actually is kind of fitting with the Summerlands. Because what happens is Ethan uh discovers this creature that looks like a bush baby but i think is actually uh, ends up being what is called a were fox i think it's a were fox <laughs> and and that this is like the introduction to the fantastic world behind the regular world in summerland it it is very much a uh, you know hero's journey in a fantastical realm trope right not okay. unlike Harry Potter where it's like surprise surprise behind the unsatisfying world in front of you there lies a mystical world where you are special
1: you're a wizard harry you're
0: a wizard harry um you would think in this book that it's you're really good at baseball ethan he's not <laughs> really <laughs> uh he ends up be- So wait, he's
1: still bad at baseball even in this fantastical voyage he, or what is Yeah,
0: it? he ends up becoming a really good catcher. Like he finds oh. a he finds a book about catching. Um in <laughs> and he gets really good at it, but it's not until the end of the book when he actually gets like a really big hit. Spoiler. Okay. Great. Um yeah, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this creature named um Cutbelly uh Hooks up with Ethan and tells him that Clam Island is, oh, God, what is it called? I don't remember what it's called. It's like a part on the great tree of life called the Lodgepole where the different branches of the world meet and you can, like, scamper between them. Okay. All
1: right. So okay, this I'm I was reading, you know, the Wikipedia plot synopsis about this thing just to like ground myself
0: Yeah, good luck
1: in whatever you're gonna tell me. And I'm gonna tell you the sentence where it lost me. Great. Do it. Is, Cutbelly explains that Coyote is planning to destroy the Lodge Pole, an event called Ragged Rock by destroying Murmury Well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a that's a huge part of the book.
1: Help me, potbelly. We gotta save the jibbity Jump from ch- ch- Shumway. <laughs> I don't know why I went for it. Was that isn't that Alf's last name? <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this book goes from the extreme mundane to the fantastical and the like. Even less sensical, fantastical, over the over five hundred pages. Um,
1: okay, that's a long time. It's for a, pre- a young adult book. It's a
0: pretty long book, but I will say it, go- it moves pretty fast. Um, you know, I don't say that disparagingly, but I mm-hmm. will admit that it's actually preventing me from like remembering all the weird stuff that happened. Like it's just too much. There's just too much. I was. Uh, I want to give a better setup for what happens, but I will tell you real quick before I forget it all again that at one point um, when Ethan is in the actual Summerlands, which are like the fantastical realm that he goes to, um, him and a bunch of like like foot tall Native American fairies called the Farishers, uh, they go to I think what if i recall correctly is a giant clam who's gonna tell the future and then a giant like bird comes and almost eats the clam and ethan has to save the clam
1: i don't i don't understand any of the words that you're saying (laughs) to me right now
0: so the overall tone of the of the fantasy of the folklore feels very i think what is after is something that is distinctly american in a way that's kind of both troublesome from a like storytelling standpoint but i think admirable from a world building standpoint mm-hmm. um you've got like the the main antagonist is this character called coyote who is a shapeshifter and might as well be like loki from norse mythology like he's a troublemaker whose sole business is to destroy existence which is like the book never grapples with what exactly that would mean for him to just end the world and
1: i think that's a that's a i have seen a coyote character in other stories that served a similar role so like yeah it does sound like a lot of this is Rooted in existing mythology and kind of appropriating it and mixing it together. Yes, yes. In ways that, in ways that, Cabon thinks are interesting.
0: Yes. Um.
1: So, okay. You you mentioned that this is like a hero's journey kind of thing. Yes. Like what What's Ethan's arc like? Okay. Is his arc that he's bad at baseball and then he gets good at baseball and he learns about himself, or what is what is his deal? So,
0: in the real world, which is called the Middling, okay.
1: Oh that's that's neat,
0: yeah, I know because it's because <laughs> right?
1: it's it's so drab and mediocre, uh-huh. and it's the middling
0: right. um Ethan lives with his dad, who is like obsessed with building airships, which is like an odd pastime okay.
1: um, he, he apparently lives in final,
0: Fantasy, <laughs> which is fine. his dad is like he's a tinkerer, okay, um, regardless of what he's tinkering on they uh Ethan's mom passed away from cancer when Ethan was younger and so he kind of has this he doesn't have a lot of friends he's close with this girl named Jennifer T Rideout who's like the best player on the on the team um and they're like vague acquaintances with this kid named Thor what, Thor what is his name Wugnut I got to look it up <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, Thor Wignut. Excuse me. Oh, I was so wrong. Wugnut Thor Wignut. Um, who? Bel- who? Can you help
1: me fix my tile? <laughs> Thor. It Wig- has a woos Wugnut <laughs> Uh,
0: Thor Wignut thinks he's an android. Um, he later finds out that he's uh, he was uh misplaced and was originally born in the in the Summerlands in the Fantastic Lands.
1: How did that how, how's the stork mess that one up? Yeah, he
0: got like some changeling took him and put him there. It was I don't know. Um so Ethan's arc is kind of going from this not even second banana, but like ninth banana kid in town, um, to being reluctantly selected by the the inhabitants of the Summerlands as their champion. Um, okay. and
1: It's got like a never-ending story thing going on. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the big clam says that he's going to be their hero. <laughs> uh, and Coyote and his band, which are called... The, not his like music band, but his like band of evildoers, <laughs> which are called The Raid, uh, are going around kind of destroying large swaths of the Summerlands. And... A couple of the fairishers hook up with Ethan and his and Jennifer and uh, Thor and they travel through the Summerlands to try and stop Coyote. Um, and along the way, Ethan receives a part of the Great Lodgepole, the Tree of Worlds. Okay. Um, and so he has this like stick that is like basically a bat, right? You know, a baseball bat that mm-hmm. he names Splinter, and it's not unlike your, you know, your sting from Lord of the Rings or whatever other, like...
1: It's a turning point that, like, gives him confidence or something? In a
0: way, the, the book goes along... The book does not let him kind of wield it satisfactorily until the very end. There's actually, like, a... He meets a... the the tiniest giant in all of the summerlands <laughs> he's like a like a child-sized giant even though they're actual giants um who helps him like hone it into the shape of a bat and like cuts it down but there's this like knot on the handle that just won't get cut off um and it drives ethan crazy like it like hurts his hand and prevents him from ever like swinging it correctly um but then at the end of the book he he hits a a big old home run that saves the day. Um what
1: what is the what is the point of this of this book? I just don't I don't get it at all. And I'm not I don't even mean like what the point of the plot is, but like what is it saying? What is the deal? What is Okay. Cuz you've got like on the one hand it's 500 pages long. Yes and on the other hand it's totally goofy nutballs insane <laughs> and supposed to be for young adults so like there, there's okay. something about this that's not adding up for me and i can't tell if it's just like too long or if i'm missing the point which i probably am it just i'm reading through this list of of names through this book and i just don't i don't I don't get it.
0: So I will say before I get to what I think is the answer to your question, that the mythology that Shabin's built is very messy because it's a melange of like Native American myths with some African-American folklore. And like there's sasquatches and wear whatever's and giants and like at one point they play a baseball match against a giant and whenever you play baseball games against people of different sizes in the summerlands you like shrink or grow accordingly so that people play on like equal footing like that's a huge part of the book which is weird um Man,
1: that is different from the real world where everybody who plays fit baseball is just a fat roided out dude
0: yes correct that's definitely <laughs> true the one of the best baseball players last year was not like a five foot six scrawny dude yeah no. in houston um but so that like the the all the mix mismatching of myths is kind of messy in a way where it's like if you if you think about it for longer than five seconds it falls apart but you're kind of Ethan doesn't even know what anything is, so you're kind of not supposed to question it, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. It's it's one of those books that tries to keep things moving quickly enough that you don't stop to think about how it doesn't hang together. Yes,
0: precisely. Okay. It's supposed to be just magical enough that it doesn't all need to fit, I guess. Um, okay. But the thematic concerns, I think, are about the kids and where and when they belong. Um, like, Ethan is really about trying to reconnect with his dad his dad gets kidnapped by coyote so it's really about him uh trying to save his dad he's he's almost less concerned with saving the world than trying to save his dad Mm -hmm. um and coyote takes his dad so that uh he can use some of his dad's technology to help destroy the tree of of the worlds or or whatever whatever that plot is i know right um but there's kind of a there's a moment where when Ethan uh sees his dad again for the first time in a long time in the book, he coyotes kind of sapped him of his self. Like he doesn't he looks like him, he looks like Ethan's dad, but he doesn't really act like him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment where Ethan kind of rediscovers how much. He missed him and kind of was taking him for granted or found him weird or or whatever and and realized that that was just his dad dealing with the loss of their mom in the way that Ethan was sure, so there's a connection there um between the two of them that I think is is a strong spine of the book uh Jennifer Rideout's plot is really about feeling like a misfit um her dad is an alcoholic and kind of publicly embarrasses her and she lives with grandparents and uh, she is part Native American, but I don't think she's full-blooded Native American and she kind of doesn't feel like she has a a place. She's a girl playing on the boys' team in baseball and um, one of the things that she ends up discovering in the Summerlands is that she can throw a baseball in a way where it like, quickly like jumps into a different dimension and then like jumps back to like trick the batter you know uh in the same like jamie moyer yeah like like slow old Is he the only baseball player you know because he's so old
1: several baseball players i know jamie moyer i know mark mcguire i know uh manny ramirez None of those kn- people still play baseball. I know it's does A. Rod. A. plays baseball. Um,
0: he might next year. He was serving a big suspension this year for
1: uh, Derek. Derek Jeter. He just retired. Just retired. He just retired. That's pretty close.
0: Um, I'm going to let you keep going until you find one that does play baseball.
1: Um, uh, make nope. I don't think I got any more. <laughs> who, aren't, who aren't like Babe Ruth. Mickey Mantle, did he play baseball? He
0: did. A long time ago.
1: There's uh, Andy Rooney. Nope. Um, Mickey
0: Rooney. Nope.
1: Uh, there's uh, Dan. He's a good guy. He's good at baseball. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. Dan Bates. Uh-huh. I don't ba- think they're a... Oh, Danny Duffy is pretty good at. No. Yeah, no, that's who I meant. Yeah, that's exactly oh. what you meant. You <laughs> okay. idiot. Um. So, yeah. So, uh, Jennifer T's plot line is is about finding her own place as a person kind of in between. Um and Thor is this kid who like no one is friends with cuz he's super weird and acts like he's a robot for the mm-hmm. whole first third of the book and then discovers that he has some of the abilities that the kind of magical creatures have in the Summerlands. And realizes that that might actually be where he's from, and and maybe he was just kind of pretending to be a human the whole time, um, as a op- and as opposed to whoever he actually is. So he, when the book ends, he kind of stops being around more and more, and starts spending more and more time like in the Summerlands. after everything is kind of resolved, and going off on his own way. Um, so yeah, that's the thematic through line if you're looking for like why this book might resonate with a kid
1: (laughs) or anybody or anybody
0: which which i'm the way i'm explaining it sounds like i didn't enjoy it as much as i did um
1: yeah tell me like what you thought about it because nothing about this like i don't know i'm still i'm kind of in the same place that i was where i don't really i don't really understand How everything can possibly come together, but maybe that's maybe that's maybe you need to read the book to do that,
0: (laughs) yeah. And I will say, I did not quite understand what was happening in the ending of the book. Like, they were playing a baseball game against Coyote and his team of baseball demons, and then (laughs) the Yankees, yeah, it was just the Yankees, get it, and then uh ethan that's a good baseball joke right yeah it was was a pretty pretty good one actually it also referenced a musical by cole porter good work um awesome then ethan like got a big hit that like broke the sky or something (laughs) (laughs) and and then coyote was like taken into the sky by the people who created the world and then everything was fine again um so I will confess that there's like the the myth the overall mythology of the book is is painfully messy at times. Um what I really like about the book are the individual episodes that kind of happen throughout. I referenced earlier the section where um they're playing baseball against this giant and they don't even get to play a full game. It's that Ethan who's just gotten a book about being a catcher uh to get pass it to get safe passage like past the giant uh the giant's gonna throw like three pitches at him and ethan has to catch all of them um but to do that like ethan has to get you know blown up to the size of a giant and it it's the language is really like every time ethan catches one the language is so hyperbolic it's like he felt like his arm was exploding into a thousand pieces and his body was breaking into shards of glass and um it's really evocative while being completely non-literal okay. uh which is i think kind of happens throughout the book um there's a section towards the end where they discover a village of what are called tall men and all of them seem to be based on uh like american tall tales if that makes sense like okay. one of them seems to be an analog for even though she was real, but like Annie Oakley, one of them is about, is definitely Paul Bunyan. Like he cries about a blue ox at one point, but he doesn't, but Shabin doesn't name him as Paul Bunyan by name. If that makes sense.
1: This whole thing just sounds like Shabin was like, okay, here's a bunch of myths that I think are cool. And then you mush them together with Elmer's glue and you just hope that it, that it- Looks like something at the end. I don't. know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and maybe that. I don't know. Maybe that's we, we're we're running long today, so I, I don't want to take up too much much more time with this. I I think that some of that might be indicative of. I don't know if if it if it means that like we don't have a good set of American myths. Is that maybe what I'm saying? Like. It feels like Shabin's deliberately trying to make it an American thing. Like it is baseball, right? And he does sure. kind of draw some parallels between like even in the book, they're fictional baseball characters, uh, like baseball players. But certainly in the way that sports sports writers talk about baseball players and other other athletes, athletes they kind of mythologize them, right? Like you were talking about I mean, Babe may- Ruth earlier.
1: Maybe his point is that Americans are really good at, like, appropriating stuff from other cultures and mashing it all up into something that's occasionally recognizable but often nonsensical.
0: I don't think that's necessarily his point, but that might be definitely what is happening <laughs> about yeah. that. Uh, but I think he's, he's trying to marry something I know that he is passionate about in terms of uh, what are American stories, what is an American quest um with a bunch of different examples that may or may not fit together how about that okay um i really like it but i also really like baseball so i'll read i will happily read a fictional account of magic baseball any day of the week <laughs>
1: All right, that's fair, that's fair enough. I don't I can't say that this conversation has made me interested in checking it out, but that's fine. I I maybe that's just maybe that's just what we get for trying to boil down a 500-page book of magic baseball into a 50-minute podcast. Yeah,
0: that's probably true. I think we will revisit Shaven in the future cuz uh one of us should definitely read Cavalier and Clay um sometime soon.
1: It sounds like a Sherlock Holmes thing.
0: It's not, but
1: it sounds like it is. Sure. I
0: mean, it's called The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. That's far more oh, okay. of a comic book. I
1: thought you just said, like, The Cavalier and Clay.
0: No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's that's Summerland. It's It was fun. I, I enjoyed it, but I, I totally understand that it might not be everyone's cup of tea. And it does feel of a zeitgeist where, like, book publishers are looking for the next Harry Potter. So there's probably that. To think about.
1: I don't think this is in any danger of being the next. No, 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 no. But
0: I'm sure I think that might be like if, if he goes to a publisher and says, here's my idea for a book. Like I could see this. I could see that being part of the decision. You know what I mean? Okay. Sure. For better, for worse. Yeah. From your opinion, for worse. (laughs) (laughs) Dude,
1: it's pretty good.
0: I could roll it over. I could roll it over to an email that we got. Oh, okay. What were you going What did you want me to roll it over to?
1: No, I just wanted you to like go into the housekeeping thing and finish.
0: Off. Well, here I go then. It sounded
1: like it sounded like we were done. So,
0: geez, we got an email to overduepod at gmail.com.
1: That's our email
0: address. That is our email address. Paula wrote us an email. Hi Paula. The subject line was Sleepy Hollow. And it, uh, she did not talk about that episode at all in her email, but she says, I'm so happy I found your podcast. I love it. I get to reminisce about the books I've read and enjoy hearing your analysis and opinions and get confirmation for not wanting to read the ones that I haven't, <laughs> 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 which is kind of Andrew's experience today. Yeah, um, She said, I love your banter and Craig's laugh. Oh, I laughed a lot today, so that's good. Um, And she says she listens to us at the gym. So I'm glad that people are getting their workout on while uh, we attempt to be entertaining. Yeah. A couple people were suggesting uh, one or two people uh, congratulated Andrew on his wedding on Twitter. Uh, Some people were suggesting other books for us to read on Twitter. They were doing that using our Twitter handle, overduepod, at overduepod. And other folks we commenting on last week's episode with Chris on our Facebook page uh, at facebook.com slash overdue pod. I almost said overdue Chris. I was <laughs> Different podcast. I got a little tricked up. It's um,
1: Chris's Chris's spin on. Oh God, I
0: would listen to that. I would listen to a show called overdue Chris. <laughs> um, Andrew, if they did not like social media, but still wanted to visit us through a web browser, where should they go?
1: They could go to OverduePodcast.com, of course, which is where we have our RSS and iTunes links. Uh, you can use those to subscribe to the show and get new episodes as they come out. If you subscribe in iTunes, please do rate and review us because that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I've not checked yet. I checked uh, we'll uh, last we week. I didn't see any. I didn't see reviews. any. Didn't yeah, see no, any. we're still at 27. We're still five stars out of five. So uh, keep them rolling unless you have bad stuff to say, in which case let's try and work it out privately. <laughs> <laughs> Um, up on the website, we also have links to Amazon for the books that we have read, the books that we're going to read, and the books that we are reading. If you want to click on those and buy the books and whatever else you want to buy on Amazon, we get a little bit of a cut, and that helps us defray the cost of buying books and of running the website and all that stuff. Um, we really we really appreciate that. Um, next week, I am going to be reading Gone Girl, which should be easier to follow than... <laughs> Than Summerland was It's
0: less sprawling, Gone Girl is. That's
1: which is not to say that it is not too long, because I think that it is, but that's a conversation that we'll have
0: a week. Ooh, from now, I guess. Ooh, teaser. Yeah, I almost teaser. said spoiler. It's more of a teaser. Andrew thinks that yeah. book's too long. Find out next week on Overdue.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright everybody. Uh until then, try to be happy.